英語聞き流し10分間、名作リスニング、英語テキストと MP3 ダウンロード、その他の物語は、ホームページよりご利用いただけます。88thpp.com。88thpp.com。Everything that happened to him from that moment until the evening of that day ever afterwards lingered in his memory in a confused and uncertain form, like the wild vagaries of a person in a fever, so weary was he, so troubled, so despondent. And at nightfall on the following day, after having slept overnight in a poor little chamber in a house in Boca, beside a harbor porter, after having passed nearly the whole of that day seated on a pile of beams, and, as in delirium, in sight of thousands of ships and boats and tugs, he found himself on the poop of a large sailing vessel. Loaded with fruit, which was setting out for the town of Rosario, managed by three robust Genoese, who were bronzed by the sun, and their voices and the dialect which they spoke put a little comfort into his heart once more. They set out, and the voyage lasted three days and four nights, and it was a continual amazement to the little traveller. Three days and four nights on that wonderful river Parna, in comparison with which our great Po is but a rivulet, and the length of Italy quadrupled does not equal that of its course. The barge advanced slowly against this immeasurable mass of water. It threaded its way among long islands, once the haunts of serpents and tigers, covered with orange trees and willows, like floating coppices. Now they passed through narrow canals, from which it seemed as though they could never issue forth. Now they sailed out on vast expanses of water, having the aspect of great tranquil lakes, then among islands again, through the intricate channels of an archipelago, amid enormous masses of vegetation. A profound silence reigned. For long stretches, the shores in very vast and solitary waters produced the impression of an unknown stream, upon which this poor little sail was the first in all the world to venture itself. The further they advanced, the more this monstrous river dismayed him. He imagined that his mother was at its source, and that their navigation must last for years. Twice a day, he ate a little bread and salted meat with the boatman, who, perceiving that he was sad, never addressed a word to him. At night, he slept on deck and woke every little while with a start. Astounded by the limpid light of the moon, which silvered the immense expanse of water and the distant shores, and then his heart sank within him. Cordova. He repeated that name, Cordova. Like the name of one of those mysterious cities of which he had heard in fables. But then he thought, My mother passed this spot, she saw these islands, these shores, and then these places upon which the glance of his mother had fallen no longer seemed strange and solitary to him. At night, one of the boatmen sang. That voice reminded him of his mother's songs. When she had lulled him to sleep as a little child. On the last night, when he heard that song, he sobbed. The boatman interrupted his song. Then he cried, Courage, courage, my son. What the deuce? A Genoese crying because he is far from home. The Genoese make the circuit of the world, glorious and triumphant. And at these words he shook himself, he heard the voice of the Genoese blood, and he raised his head aloft with pride, dashing his fist down on the rudder. Well, yes. He said to himself, and if I am also obliged to travel for years and years to come, all over the world, and to traverse hundreds of miles on foot, I will go on until I find my mother, were I to arrive in a dying condition, and fall dead at her feet. If only I can see her once again. Courage. And with this frame of mind, he arrived at daybreak, on a cool and rosy morning, in front of the city of Rosario, situated on the high bank of the Parana, where the beflagged yards of a hundred vessels of every land were mirrored in the waves. Shortly after landing, he went to the town, bag in hand, to seek an Argentine gentleman for whom his protector in Boca had entrusted him with a visiting card, with a few words of recommendation. On entering Rosario, it seemed to him that he was coming into a city with which he was already familiar. There were the straight, interminable streets, 
bordered with low white houses, traversed in all directions above the roofs by great bundles of telegraph and telephone wires, which looked like enormous spiders' webs, and a great confusion of people, of horses, and of vehicles. His head grew confused, he almost thought that he had got back to Buenos Aires, and must hunt up his cousin once more. He wandered about for nearly an hour, making one turn after another, and seeming always to come back to the same street, and by dint of inquiring, he found the house of his new protector. He pulled the bell. There came to the door a big, light-haired, gruff man, who had the air of a steward, and who demanded awkwardly, with a foreign accent. What do you want? The boy mentioned the name of his patron. The master has gone away, replied the steward, he set out yesterday afternoon for Buenos Aires, with his whole family. The boy was left speechless. Then he stammered, but I, I have no one here. I am alone. And he offered the card. The steward took it, read it, and said surlily, I don't know what to do for you. I'll give it to him when he returns a month hence. But I, I am alone, I am in need, exclaimed the lad, in a supplicating voice. Eh? Come now, said the other, just as though there were not a plenty of your sort from your country in Rosario. Be off, and do your begging in Italy. And he slammed the door in his face. The boy stood there as though he had been turned to stone. Then he picked up his bag again slowly, and went out, his heart torn with anguish, with his mind in a whirl, assailed all at once by a thousand anxious thoughts. What was to be done? Where was he to go? From Rosario to Cordova was a day's journey, by rail. He had only a few lira left. After deducting what he should be obliged to spend that day, he would have next to nothing left. Where was he to find the money to pay his fare? He could work, but how? To whom should he apply for work? Ask alms? Ah, no. To be repulsed, insulted, humiliated, as he had been a little while ago? No, never, never more, rather would he die. And at this idea, and at the sight of the very long street which was lost in the distance of the boundless plain, he felt his courage desert him once more, flung his bag on the sidewalk, sat down with his back against the wall, and bent his head between his hands, in an attitude of despair. People jostled him with their feet as they passed, the vehicles filled the road with noise, several boys stopped to look at him. He remained thus for a while. Then he was startled by a voice saying to him in a mixture of Italian and Lombard dialect, What is the matter, little boy? He raised his face at these words, and instantly sprang to his feet, uttering an exclamation of wonder, You hear? It was the old Lombard peasant with whom he had struck up a friendship during the voyage. The amazement of the peasant was no less than his own, but the boy did not leave him time to question him, and he rapidly recounted the state of his affairs. Now I am without a soldo. I must go to work. Find me work, that I may get together a few lira. I will do anything, I will carry rubbish, I will sweep the streets, I can run on errands, or even work in the country, I am content to live on black bread, but only let it be so that I may set out quickly, that I may find my mother once more. Do me this charity, and find me work, find me work, for the love of God, for I can do no more. The deuce! The deuce! said the peasant, looking about him, and scratching his chin. What a story is this! To work, to work! That is soon said. Let us look about a little. Is there no way of finding thirty lira among so many fellow countrymen? The boy looked at him, consoled by a ray of hope. Come with me, said the peasant. Where? asked the lad, gathering up his bag again. Come with me. The peasant started on, Marco followed him. They traversed a long stretch of street together without speaking. The peasant halted at the door of an inn which had for its sign a star, and an inscription beneath, the Star of Italy. He thrust his face in, and turning to the boy, he said cheerfully, 
we have arrived at just the right moment. They entered a large room, where there were numerous tables, and many men seated, drinking and talking loudly. The old Lombard approached the first table, and from the manner in which he saluted the six guests who were gathered around it, it was evident that he had been in their company until a short time previously. They were red in the face, and were clinking their glasses, and vociferating and laughing. Comrades, said the Lombard, without any preface, remaining on his feet, and presenting Marco, here is a poor lad, our fellow countryman, who has come alone from Genoa to Buenos Aires to seek his mother. At Buenos Aires they told him, she is not here, she is in Cordova. He came in a bark to Rosario, three days and three nights on the way, with a couple of lines of recommendation. He presents the card, they make an ugly face at him, he hasn't a centesimo to bless himself with. He is here alone and in despair. He is a lad full of heart. Let us see a bit. Can't we find enough to pay for his ticket to go to Cordova in search of his mother? Are we to leave him here like a dog? Never in the world, by heavens. That shall never be said. They all shouted at once, hammering on the table with their fists. A fellow countryman of ours. Come hither, little fellow. We are emigrants. See what a handsome young rogue. Out with your coppers, comrades. Bravo. Come alone. He has daring. Drink a sup, patriota. We'll send you to your mother, never fear. And one pinched his cheek, another slapped him on the shoulder, a third relieved him of his bag, other emigrants rose from the neighboring tables and gathered about, the boy's story made the round of the inn, three Argentine guests hurried in from the adjoining room, and in less than ten minutes the Lombard peasant, who was passing round the hat, had collected forty-two lira. Do you see, he then said, turning to the boy, how fast things are done in America? Drink, cried another to him, offering him a glass of wine, to the health of your mother. All raised their glasses, and Marco repeated, to the health of my, but a sob of joy choked him, and, setting the glass on the table, he flung himself on the old man's neck. Listening.英語聞き流し10分間名作リスニング英語テキストと MP3ダウンロードその他の物語はホームページよりご利用いただけます。88thpp.com 88thpp.com 88thpp.com